Welcome to Emerge Dynamics. Emerge Dynamics. The podcast for those who manage and invest in middle market private companies across the globe. globe. We're telling the stories of the unsung champions who take enormous risks every day to weave the fabric of our societies. Those who collectively, from the multi-trillion dollar largest market on the planet, we're diving into the dynamics of what makes some of them emerge from their peers and create incredible returns and impact on their communities. This is Emerge Dynamics. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Emerge Dynamics podcast. I'm David Cusimano here with Eric Winberger. Hello, Eric. Hey, David. How are you? Doing great. Excited uh, for our next topic. Yes, we say a lot <laughs> our favorite topics. You know, they're just all good topics. This topic we're going to talk about today we're going to talk a little bit about customer service, and I'm sure we'll be unpacking this more in future episodes. I was thinking I could share a little bit. This came up with an experience some of my kids had as we're driving around in the car, and I shared a story with them. I guess this is from 10 years ago, a pretty high-profile incident that ended up going viral on YouTube, but I think it can teach us all a real big lesson. So here's the story, and if you want to go to YouTube, I'm sure it's still up. You can go to YouTube, go in the search bar. We'll also put it in the show notes page. Put in the search bar, United Breaks Guitars. And I'll do my best to give a summary of the story. Uh, sorry if I don't have the facts exactly right. I think I'm getting them right. But what's more important here is the lesson. So a guy is riding on United Airlines. He's a musician and he has a guitar. And he checks his guitar and with his checked luggage, and I'm not sure exactly what happened. I think he may even have seen out the window of the plane as the baggage handlers were loading the luggage on the plane, them throw his guitar. And well, I don't know if that's part of the story. I could be missing that. But the, you know, the important part is he gets to where he's going and his guitar is broken. He puts the case up at the destination airport and the guitar is no longer works. It's broken. So he reaches out to United and he says, hey, I entrusted my guitar with you. But you gave it back to me and it was broken. I'd like you to fix it. Like, give me a new one or repair the guitar. But you broke it. You should fix it. They told him no. I don't remember the exact reason why. I don't know if they just dismissed the guy or if they went through the minutia of their terms and conditions and said, you know, mm. according to paragraph X. On it's your responsibility a, right, to ensure. Blah, 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 yeah, yeah. So we're not right. fixing your guitar. So think about, let's take that as one decision point for United Airlines, right? They could have right there made a decision as to what they should do. And they chose to go back to, we think, maybe some terms and conditions in order to get this side, their course of action. Then the guy, well, he's a musician. And so he makes a song about this. And he makes a music video to go along with the song. And the song is called United Breaks Guitars. And if you go watch the video, it's hilarious. Well, he puts this thing on YouTube and it starts getting a lot of views. I mean, I think in the millions of views that he got. I mean, to the point where one of the major talk shows, it might have been like Good Morning America, then picked it up and ran a story on it, right? So this became so big that United Airlines could no longer ignore this issue. After this thing had been viewed millions of times, it ended up on mainstream media as a news item. Then United Airlines said, okay, we'll buy you a new guitar. And so I think, Eric, Without bashing United, I mean, you and I have flown on United numerous times together, and we've had not with good experiences. Any yeah, no guitar. No, they, they never did break my luggage. Certainly, they have not been perfect. I think they've treated me good more than not good. But, but let's just talk about, was the right decision there? Because, I mean, I think we could easily leave that story and say, 
oh, they finally came around and did the right thing, right? They finally went and bought him a new guitar. But I think this kind of begs a deeper question, though, Eric, and maybe this is where we can start unpacking here is, as a business, when do you make things right for someone? And it seems to me that in this story, and there's probably numerous other stories, like I've heard of other businesses that have actually, I've literally like run experiments to see how long can we keep people on hold and how frustrated can we get them before they'll actually switch to a competitor? <laughs> and right, let's push right. them right up into that point. Don't push them beyond that point because they will actually switch, but let's just frustrate them enough where they won't. Yeah, leave. because that's cost advantageous make, for us right. to keep them at it's, bay it's, for some it's period a strip of time utilitarian cost-benefit analysis, and that's where they decide what they're going to do. I want to hear your thoughts, Eric, for any more. What do you think so far? I mean, it speaks to all of that. And certainly as business people, we have to lay out the ground rules to uh, allow that to happen the most effectively from the standpoint, not of the cost-effectiveness as much as the customer relation side of things mm-hmm. and putting that customer there first and foremost, and then creating the right type of environment and structures for our employees to make good decisions, better decisions on the front end and have the right kind of escalation processes, if you will, to ensure and the checks and balances to make sure that we're making the right decisions, but that we're pushing that down as much as possible to that first level of employee who has the contact who should be able to give that flexibility and autonomy because they're there with the ability to best step into the shoes of that customer and then be your advocate, if you will, as a company on behalf of that customer. If you don't do that right, and part of that is too having the right people that you're empowering. So it's not not just empowering them the right way, but having the right people to empower in your business. But you mentioned that too, that straight utilitarian type of approach. And I see this a lot, David. It's like people have decision trees that are out there. And those decision trees says, well, if it's this, then you got to do this. If it's this, you got to do that. And life doesn't work that way with box checking. And each situation really can be a very fluid situation. And so I'm just big on creating frameworks and then allowing people, teaching them How do we do the best for our customers with their mindset? Yes, we have to take into consideration the financial implications. We have limitations and what have you. But let's first and foremost put ourselves in the shoes of the customer. And while we're talking, the book, The Fred Factor, it's a great book that's around that whole concept. Fred was a postal service guy, and he just went above and beyond in the way that he delivered his mail to his customers. And it's just stories about some of the just simple little things that he would do. And it wasn't things that were costing the U.S. Postal Service money or anything else like that. But he was just always thinking of the people that he was delivering the mail to and doing it better. It doesn't have to be that difficult. So that's a great book. We could throw that in the show notes as well. It's a highly recommended yes, book. Very absolutely. quick, easy, and simple read, but it's all about customer service. You added a new dynamic I wasn't thinking of when I first brought the story up, but it's so true, right? So, so the first question is, what's the right thing to do? How do we make that decision? And then the next dynamic that you added on is the whole cultural part, right? It's one thing to know what decision to make. It's another thing to create a culture of people who can autonomously make the right decisions on the front lines when you're not there. That's a whole yeah. other thing, but both are critical. Yeah. And I mean, it comes to mind too, like Southwest Airlines. That is a company that builds a culture around just 
customer service, just a right. different approach, right, to the check the box kind of thing. You know, they would even listening to the Southwest people in the uh, public service announcements and stuff like that some of the time and cracking jokes a little bit in the process. But they're still getting the, the message across, but they're putting themselves into that and having some fun with it. That's an example. Another one is uh, Chick-fil-A. I'm a big fan of Chick-fil-A and the culture that they build with uh, It's My Pleasure. That is not just a simple change of words from you're welcome to the response to a thank you. I mean, it is a cultural thing that we should be placing ourselves in the shoes of the customer. And it is a pleasure for us to actually serve you. They live that out in their corporate culture. And that's why that company's been so incredibly successful selling chicken. A hundred percent. And Eric, I think, I mean, this is probably the beginnings of a series. We could probably do multiple episodes on customer service and all the different dynamics. Just to close out this story here, if you think about just a cost-benefit analysis, if we choose to not buy a new guitar until the cost of not buying the guitar is higher than the guitar, then when it gets too costly, when too many people watch the YouTube videos, then I say, oh, I guess it's going to be cheaper for me to buy the guitar than to not buy the guitar. I guess I'll buy the guitar. We ultimately, at some point, at some human point, we need to never mind the numbers. When you do something wrong, you just make it right. If I caused a problem, I fix the problem. I remember a time when I was running my flight training business and I had a guy who came in to train from another country. He had taken off time off of his work to do a specific training with us. And when he arrived, the airplane that we had slated for him to fly in didn't work. And it had a maintenance issue. We had to order a part. I think it was going to be five days. So the part came in. He had to be back at work in five days. Easily could have said, sorry, you know, stuff happens. It clearly was not my fault. There's nothing I could have done <laughs> to make this part not go out at this time. It's not my fault. I, I hadn't failed, but I did have a customer who now had interacted with me and had, was having a negative experience. And so I had to really decide, how do I want this person to remember David? And also, how do I want him to remember my business? Right. right. And so we ended up paying for an airline ticket for him. We end up reimbursing him his hotel, right? Anything we could do to have him depart from us still happy. It's not to say that, and we'll dive into this maybe when we unpack this more, but it's not to say there's never a situation where it doesn't mean the customer is always right. It doesn't mean the customer demands, hey, you know, I stubbed my toe, give me a billion dollars and you give him a billion dollars, right? There's certainly unreasonable expectations no, of customers. No. In this specific example, though, you don't need Eric and David to tell you, just buy the guitar. If you broke it, fix it. Yeah. <laughs> and what a long way that goes for your human interactions with everyone, for your purpose here, making sure your time here on Earth is well spent. And probably in the long run, you're going to have a more profitable business. And we see that in other models, too. And yeah. sorry, I'm resisting the temptation to dive into them. But there are <laughs> there are plenty of companies that have yeah. amazingly forgiving like refund policies. They just make it right almost no matter what you say. Right. And they actually can be successful companies. So I can't wait to dive into those more in the near future. Yeah, but uh, just as, as you said, kind of close it out, David. You know, this started with the example that you were having a conversation with your kids. It's tough when you're trying to build a culture with employees who you didn't raise or whatever, they all bring their stuff and, and everything else like that. But just the fundamental aspect of teaching and creating a culture where you do the right thing because it's the right thing to do, right. regardless of whether somebody's watching or not. And, and even yeah, regardless that's a great of lesson for our kids. That's a great lesson for ourselves. That's a great lesson for our employees and our companies. And that's really what it's all about. 
Absolutely. All right. Well, with that, we'll get back to work. 